Chewy, would you please? I work here. What's your excuse? My, I, Kira, I was, I, I was coming back for you. It's in the past, hon. Not for me. The only reason I'm here, I was doing this job, get a little money, and then I was going to come back to Corelli and find you. Well, now you don't have to. I'm right in front of you. That day. Sometimes, a lot of times, I think. If you'd have stayed, they would have killed you. I'm glad you got out. Welcome to the Wampa's Lair podcast. Deep in the bowels of the frozen ice caverns of Hoth, our hosts, Carl LeClaire and Jason Hunt, discuss all things Star Wars. So join the conversation and hang out here in the Wampa's Lair. Hey everybody and welcome back to another exciting episode of the Wampa's Lair podcast. This is episode number 286, Continued Solo Response. I'm as always your host, Jason Hunt, and with me again... The Han Solo to my Chewbacca because I just love the two of them in this movie. Oh my god, we have Carl Leclerc. There's nothing there's nothing else you can really compare us to at this point, you know? I mean that's what we are. We are Han and Chewie. Right. Right. We really are. And I was trying to come up with something more creative and more, you know, less obvious with this movie, but I mean, come on, Han and Chewie are kind of the best part of this movie, and and I really I can't get away from it. So, yeah, there you go. There you go. So, um, well, as you all know, if you joined us for last week's episode, the goal was to kind of just do a, a quick breakdown of the whole film. That didn't even get close to happening. Um, <laughs> we got through about half the film. So uh, this episode, we are going to just kind of finish breaking down the film as it as it stands. And, and um, as we announced on social media, we're going to wait until next week to get to all of your responses to the film. So certainly keep, you know, feel free to keep sending those in. We've gotten a few via email. And, and again, we asked for them via email. So we've gotten a few. Um, and uh, next week, we will definitely get to your responses of, of Solo. Um, so certainly stay tuned for that next week. But this particular week, we want to continue and just finish breaking down this, this amazingly fun Star Wars story that is Solo. Um, yes. And uh, before we get into the to the nitty gritty of all of that, though, just a couple of a, a quick, quick things bef- before. First thing we want to do is, of course, give a, a big shout out and thank you to um, uh, our latest review on iTunes uh, coming from username Brian1103. Uh, Brian, thank you so much for your, your kind review on iTunes. Um, and also, we've gotten a few new star rating reviews as well, so uh, we don't know who they are unless they leave an actual comment. So thank you to anybody who's taken the time to, to head into the iTunes store and, and review the show. Again, that's super helpful just because uh, it gets it gets the podcast higher up in the queue, if you will. So uh, we appreciate all the all the positivity that folks have uh, given to the show as of late. So thank you very yeah. much for that. We really do appreciate it. So it it makes us feel like we're doing a good job because you know honestly we 
Carl and I t- sit here and talk to each other because we like talking Star Wars with each other. Um, and sometimes we sit back and wonder, does that actually sound okay to everybody else? Or are we just indulging ourselves here? <laughs> so, <laughs> Either case, we'll still indulge ourselves. So <laughs> True. True. I mean, we get the whole Foden bead thing. <laughs> but yes, all the—I mean, all the kind reviews, of course, bring warm feelings to our hearts. Mm, um, yes. But uh, so, so oddly enough, though, we're gonna totally do a 180 here, real quick, and just want to get this out off the, off the table right out the gate, um, so we can move into all of the fun that we want to have breaking down solo. Um, but sadly, as as probably so many, if not all of you are aware, there is an incredibly large amount of bully bullying and venom in the Star Wars fan community right now. And Jason and I both find it extremely frustrating, childish, and annoying. <laughs> um, yes. And yeah. uh, long story short, without making this wasting time talking about that particular theme. Um, I, you know, it's it's really risen out of you know the 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 backlash of Last Jedi, and it's just persisting in through Solo, um, which literally makes no sense because Solo is the exact type of Star Wars film I would think all the fanboys wanted. <laughs> so, right, and that's not to belittle Solo. I mean, it's I love it, um, but I, the only thing I want to specifically address is if if you are are wasting your time trolling any of our social media, just be aware that moving forward, you're going to be deleted. Um, I have no problems, you know, going back and forth with people for a little bit, but if you're just going to throw empty words and baseless accusations, you're just going to get deleted. Um, And that's my biggest complaint is people are throwing around hatred with one, not even seeing solo. They're like, it's stupid. It's like, well, you haven't even seen it. So shut your mouth. Secondly, (laughs) it's just people that are just like, oh, it's it's crap. And it's like, okay, well, why is it crap? Like, sadly, we live in a culture where people are just so darn emotional. They don't think before they speak. And granted, I'm certain I'm a hothead. I've I've been known to do that myself. And and I'm not (laughs) trying to be a hypocrite here. Um, But we've been doing this show long enough that we do our best to stay positive. And that's certainly the goal of this show. So. That being said, if you dislike something about Star Wars right now, whether it's something specifically from Solo, Last Jedi, whatever, by all means, feel free to voice your displeasure, what isn't working for you. Just back it up. That's all we're saying. It's like you're in college and you're writing an essay. You can't just say stuff without <laughs> some sort of proof. Otherwise, right. it's just empty words. So if well, you want to say – not only not only proof, but in a measured and conversational dialogue. We don't – we are not going to entertain just you know, people kicking in the door you know, with the bazooka blast um, and then leaving. You know, with that, that is not going to be tolerated on our social media. I, you know, just we're – we want to have good, constructive conversation. If you dislike something, if you're not a fan of something, fine. If you want to talk about it, we're more than willing to have that conversation. We we just want to have the conversation without a bunch of name-calling, a bunch of venom and hate being spewed or thrown around. And we want, basically, we're trying to avoid having Star Wars fandom become that wretched hive of scum and villainy because that's what it is right now. Um, 
and we are not allowing any of that in our Ewok village. So we will, you know, knock you in the head with a little rock and say, come back some other time when you've cooled down. Um, but <laughs> basically, my biggest complaint about all of this right now is I love Star Wars. I want to introduce people to Star Wars. I want to bring them in to the enjoyment of the franchise that I am so passionate about. I don't want to bring people into Star Wars fandom right now. I don't. Star Wars fandom is an ugly place at the moment. And I don't care if I agree with your point of view or not. There are people out there who are just being idiots. You know, whether I agree with your sentiment, the core of what you're saying or not, doesn't matter because no one's treating each other with the kindness and respect that we all want to be treated with. And I don't want to bring people into the fandom right now because it's going to turn them off and taint their enjoyment of the franchise. And I'm very disappointed that this is happening because I got into the fandom when it was open and welcoming and discussions were had and i'm just i'm i'm disappointed i'm really disappointed and getting pissed so <laughs> i'm gonna be honest i'm getting pissed at all the stupidness going on um and it's it's taken quite a lot for me to just not you know tear into people for being idiots but that's not what we're trying to promote here the Wampa's Lair is a warm, inviting place, despite the fact that it's in the ice caverns of Hoth. <laughs> um, and we want to have the discussions. We want to welcome everybody in. If you don't like Last Jedi, fine. You don't have to talk about it if you don't want to. you know, Or if you want to discuss why, it, why certain things didn't work for you, we're more than willing to discuss it. There are things in Last Jedi that don't work for Carl and I. My biggest complaint right now is it's just too damn long. <laughs> Agreed. Um, but, you know, that we're not here to talk Last Jedi. But that's – I need to stop talking about the, the fandom situation right now because I'm going to get myself worked up. I need a little bit of Solo to calm me down, Carl. Well, if you have anything yeah. else you want to say to no, wind this up. Go yeah, ahead. no, no. I, and again, we, we've spent enough time talking about that, but just, just be advised. If you're gonna, if you're gonna throw shade on our social media, you're just gonna get deleted. If you keep throwing it, you'll get banned, you know? And if you're saying, oh, you guys are jerks, you don't want to hear dissenting opinions. Nope, that's not at all. Again, it, you're welcome to disagree. Again, Jason and I both have issues with really all of Star Wars except Empire Strikes Back because it's perfect. Um, and you know, there's, there's always. Not true, Carl. <laughs> there's always, there's always gonna be something in a Star Wars film that we're not going to be crazy about and that's fine. Right. And we're happy to talk about things that don't work for us. The thing is, is we just want you to explain why that's it. And just be respectful. That's it. You know, if you can't do that, if that's too tall of an order for you, there's plenty of other places for you to whine and complain. So just go there. <laughs> um, right. And that way we don't have to waste our energy on you. Um, but yeah, so, you know, and, and it's just so funny to me, Jason, that it's it's become as strong as it is, especially with how fun and light and joyful Solo is. You right. know, um, I understand the divisiveness of Last Jedi. Um, I think, again, I think people are holding on to what they hate for in, in, in too strong of a way rather than just letting it go. Um, you know, I, I, 
I can say I, I've let go of the things that I really don't like about that movie. And there are quite a few things about that movie I don't like and I don't see myself coming around to. Be that as it may, I've come to just enjoy what I enjoy about it. Um, and and I certainly understand why people feel so hurt by what maybe Star Wars has become. That's fine. That's warranted. Um, but Solo is, again, like we, we talked about even in the pre-show, Solo is kind of what Star Wars fandom needed. Um, again, whether you loved last Jedi or you hated last Jedi, or you're just somewhere in the middle, um, last Jedi, yeah, last Jedi, what's clear about last Jedi is it it, it was a very dense and heavy movie. No doubt about that. That's, that's not putting a qualifier on it. It's just pointing out what it is. So solo is something light and fun. Also not two and a half hours. And right. And it's just a fun nonstop ride of of fun and adventure and it's a palate cleanser after last Jedi. Right. And if it, it, and I, I have several friends who last Jedi is quickly becoming their favorite star Wars movie. That's the type of star Wars they love. And I think that's great. But this is the type of star Wars I particularly love. And I think a lot of fans particularly love. So, um, Let's get let's get right back into it, Jason. We we All covered right. half the movie last time and oh, quite a bit of time. So um, <laughs> to be fair, the second half moves so quickly because of all the action. But I'm sure we'll find ways to slow it down and talk things through. But I oh, pretty, probably I'm pretty sure we left off last episode with them leaving for Kessel. Is that right? Uh, yes. OK. Yes. So, um, yeah, but don't forget, Carl, we got a we got the poll results. Crap in a hat. You're right. We do. So, <laughs> so I Carl felt- asked for uh, your favorite part of Solo right. online uh, on, on our social media um, and didn't tell me about it. Um, <laughs> so I found out about it when people Sorry. started responding I on our I Facebook you. page. My bad. <laughs> it's, I'm the worst. I felt bad though um, because I knew we weren't going to get to the response episode, and I was like, "Well, we got to give them some voice in this episode, so let's let's at least do a poll." Right, right. But that be that as it may, it generated so many responses that I I have almost filled an entire page on my legal pad here of all the different things people said was their favorite part of Solo. Uh, so let me dig right into this. In sixth place, with one vote each, uh, we had the nuance of Kira, um, the Wookiee help in the mines when Chewie and his Wookiee uh, friends come back for Han, Beckett's intro on Mimban, 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 I don't know, Um, Chewie learning to play Dejaric, all of it was what somebody said, Uh, Alden as Han, Empus Ness's reveal as a good guy. Uh, Rio's Wookie pronunciation. <laughs> Whoa, is that a Wookie? <laughs> is that a Wookie? Um, <laughs> Han shot first. Did you kill our? You're the one who killed Ara Singh. Um, all of Mimban, Mimban. I still don't know how to pronounce Mimbin. it. That's how I say it. Mimban, 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 Um, what can I get you? Equal rights. <laughs> um, and the flying with Chewie scene, which is the uh. That balcony scene, so uh, to speak. On I love that somebody shit. mentioned that it was a balcony scene. I was like, it is true. It's just a moving balcony. <laughs> That's so good. That's I, so awesome. I should probably – that will probably eventually become my favorite scene in this movie. 
Um, it's up there right now. But yeah, I'd never thought of it as a, bal- as a balcony scene. And I love, I, I'm sorry that I'm, I'm forgetting who wrote that, but thank you for saying that comparing it to a, a balcony scene. Because again, if you've, if you've listened to the show in the past, you know how much I love those balcony scenes in Star Wars. Right. So, Be- And because you have made that connection for Carl, that automatically begins its march up to the top of his favorite <laughs> moment in this movie. <laughs> I don't sleep well anymore. <laughs> because of your mother. <laughs> <laughs> you're gonna need a better n- a nickname because i ain't saying that every time <laughs> um in uh fifth place with two boats each we have the kessel run uh what i'm calling feed the beast which is the introduction of han and chewy um the music which mm. is where my vote went nice uh, i love this movie so much but i really 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 love the music and we can talk about that later um <laughs> Because there's so much I would love to say. But um, anything with Han and Chewie, I, I essentially I wrote Han plus Chewie equals a thumbs up. I actually drew a thumbs up. <laughs> Should be a heart. Uh, but <laughs> um, And then um, the good guy scene where Kira calls mm. Han a good guy. Um, in fourth place with three votes, Han and Lando playing Sabacc. Um, the Millennium Falcon reveal. Mm, great moment. And I think that's it for fourth place. Um, in third place with four votes, we have the Kessel Revolution, which is where your vote went. Yeah, I just uh, – specifically the part when like they're coming – Han and Chewie are coming out and, and it's you know Han and Lando and – Beckett, you know, defending the Falcon uh, underneath it. And just, it's just a, it's probably the best gun battle I've seen in Star Wars. Uh, and honestly, I wish it was a, a tiny bit longer or shot just a little bit differently in the sense of like, I, I want to see Han specifically take down more people. But I do love <laughs> that he's just like a, like a badass with that gun. And it starts with such a great way. The music is great and Han, and he just tosses him the gun. I mean, granted, we saw that in a TV spot, but it's so good. And, yeah, it's just Han laying down the, my my favorite specific moment, and we'll talk more about this in the episode today. But um, is specifically when Lando falls and Han decides to go get him. So you know, yeah. uh, that's that's my favorite specific moment in the film as of right now. So, nice, but anyway, that work, works for me. Uh, second place with five votes is uh, Han and Chewie flying the Falcon, and that of course mm. meaning the scene where Chewie becomes the co-pilot and Han's the pilot, you know, during mm-hmm. the Kessel run. So, which is a great moment when, yes. when we get pilot and co-pilot. Oh, so good. Um, and then number one with uh, seven votes is the mall reveal. Mm-hmm. So, which of course we will address later. Yeah. But. Yes. Yeah, the mall reveal. I'm, I'm not surprised it won. It to me, it's analogous with you know the end of Rogue One with Vader. Right. Um, they're both in a way like post credit scenes, if you will. Um, in a way, and they're so like jaw droppingly awesome. And Maul specifically is so like unexpected. Vader right. wasn't as unexpected, but it was just badass to see. Um, and uh, I loved both those moments. But I think without them, these movies are still perfect. <laughs> Not perfect, yeah. but really good. <laughs> so, um, I will say though, this might be our most responded to poll ever. Yeah, which is awesome. Yeah. So, thank you for taking the time to respond. 
<laughs> yes. So that's awesome. Uh, and we are going to get to a lot of what we were um, – what was mentioned in the poll here as we wrap up our, our talk through of solo. So Carl, where do we want to pick up? Cause yeah, in the castle. Yeah. There's one thing I wanted to address really quick, it, it, which is a more broader topic and I just don't want to forget it. So I, I kind of wrote this right at the top of my notes, if you don't mind. Um, sure. And, and I was thinking specifically, right. Just this general idea though, of like Han and Chewie and there is obviously no mention of a life debt in this particular film. Um, and maybe why is it that Chewie chooses to to ally himself with Han throughout the movie? And something so I, I saw the movie for the, my sixth time last night, and I swear to you, Jason, every time I see it, I like it more. Um, and I, I've seen it four times, and I will agree with you on that. that yeah, fact. yeah, and 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 again, I, I, this is maybe not a helpful comment, but. I saw Last Jedi, I think, eight times. And every time I saw Last Jedi, I felt like I was kind of fishing for reasons to love it. And I don't mean that. I know that sounds like very judgy and, and, and discouraging to the film. But it felt a little bit like homework. Like I was going to like, oh, yeah, I really like this. So I'm going to focus on this. Solo, I'm going and just loving it every time. And not every time I leave, I'm like, I could go right back in now. <laughs> you know? Right. Um, and so, again, right. it's, just, it's just the excitement that I get from this movie that makes me want to keep going back. Um, but something I specifically was noticing last night as I was watching is the subtlety of the way Han constantly brings Chewie's agency into decisions. And what I mean by that is Han always asks Chewie what he wants. He never expects anything of Chewie. And I really like that, right? I mean, we can assume that for the last, who knows, five to ten years at least, Chewie's probably been a slave of the Empire, He's been yeah. a slave, right? He's been a piece of property. And now here comes this guy who helps you escape. Granted, he also helped Han escape. And, I, and again, I, I like that. The fact that there was it's, – it's them working together that you know, kind of brokers their freedom. Um, but Han, you know, when they're on Vandor and they decide to go see Beckett – or excuse me, they decide to go see Dryden Voss, Han says to Chewie, what do you want to do, right? Like – yeah. He doesn't just speak for Chewie, um, and he does that throughout the film. He, even when they're sitting around the campfire, he turns to Chewie. What are you going to do with your shit? Right? Like, he, rec- he notices Chewie, right? He, he sees the – I mean, this isn't exactly true because he's a Wookiee, but he sees the humanity in Chewie, right? He recognizes the person, personality, the personhood of Chewie and right. always gives him that agency. And even – and I know we'll get to the specific moment a little bit later, but when they're on Kessel and Chewie sees the Wookiees – and wants to go free them, Han understands and then even gives him a weapon, right? Like enables that. Like yeah. I'm not going to make you do what I think you're supposed to do. Go do what you need to do, right? And that's what I love about the relationship between the two of them is Han never demands or expects something of Chewie. And I really Doesn't love speak for him. Yeah, right? Chewie is always his own person and Han recognizes and celebrates that. So I just yeah. – I love that about their chemistry. Yeah. Chewie's gone. Gone? Is he dead? <laughs> is he dead? <laughs> no. No. He, he had to take care of something. Is he coming back? Is he coming back? I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. All right. Let's get into to our, our journey to Kessel here. Yes. So it begins with the, uh, the jump to hyperspace, right? And yep. – you know, L3. Which, by the way, yeah. salute. The, the Lando and L3 yes. salute. I mean, yes. that's going to be you and I. So good. We've been doing our that. trip to San Francisco the whole time. All the time. Yep. 
I mean, we've been doing we're... that. We've been doing that for years now. Right. Exactly. So it's like somebody watched our Skype videos somehow and was like, "We should, we should put that in the movie." Um, <laughs> no, not, I'm not gonna, not gonna say that. But <laughs> uh, then we also get uh, Beckett teaching um, Chewie how to play Dejaric. Yeah, which is funny. Real quick though, I just, I just got to give a quick shout out though to when they jump to light speed though, and then they again. Ron Howard just crushes his direction of this movie. Yeah. Um, and that, you know, the way they just zoom in on Han's face with the, the blue of hyperspace reflecting in it, Han is finally out among the stars, you know, and that's what he yearned for in the opening crawl. Yeah. Um, the opening crawl, that's not a crawl. Um, you know, right. But right. I just, I love that sense. Of the, it's one of those moments, Jason, and there's several in this movie where I just have this massive grin on my own face as I'm watching and witnessing this. And it's Han just... God, he has this boyish smile, right? Like this boyish, just joyful smile as he jumps into hyperspace in this ship. You know, there's just this sense of wonder and awe in him. And I think it's something we've never obviously seen in Han Solo. Um, and I like it because this is before the jaded Han Solo, right? This is the young, naive, optimistic, hopeful, awe-inspired young man. And I just I love that shot of him. Yeah, no, it, it's a great shot, um, and you're right. It is one of those shots where you take off into hyperspace. You're looking at it from the viewport of the Millennium Falcon. You cut back to Han just eating it all up, and you you can't help but grin. It's like, ah, yes, we're on our way. He's one step closer to having that ship of his. So, yeah. Yeah. But, yeah. I think the biggest uh, part of what we wanted to to hit um, on their journey to Kessel, though, is the scene between Kira and Han, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, people are predictable. Um, oh, that's for sure. Yeah, it's um, – yeah, God, I love the moment. First off, it's just silly. You know, Kira trying on the cape. Han kind of catches what? her. And, Which, by the way, the yeah. cape she tries on is the one from Empire. Yeah, that's what I thought. Um, I'm pretty sure it's the one from Empire. Yeah, or at least a very similar one. Because mm-hmm. it's like that dark blue with the cowl and everything. Um, but yeah, you know, Han comes in. And first off, like if, if you are going back to see that movie again, which of course I highly recommend um, – Watch the way Alden physically acts the scene as he hangs in the doorway. As he's leaning on the doorway and he's got a hand on a hip and a hand down by his holster. It looks exactly the way Han is standing in a lot of the shots from Empire Strikes Back, specifically some of the promotional shots. If oh, you yeah. if you look at the if you look at the old 1980 carded action figure of Han Solo, the the picture, I mean again, it's a promotional photo, it's not specifically directly from the movie, but it's Han, you know, hanging just kind of leaning on that doorway where he kisses Leia. Alden is exactly mimicking that way of standing. And I just love that because it's like again, he's just he's crushing the physical language of Harrison Ford without just monkeying it, you know? Um right. And I like it because and I also so and then in the specifics of the scene, you know, you have Han being the same kind of player Han that we get in Empire. You know, Irvin Kirshner always said, you know, in the commentary in that particular scene with Han and Leia, you know, Han's always asking the question, can I go to bed with this woman? Right. Like that's how Irvin <laughs> Kirshner put it. Like Han's a player. Um, 
And that's in a way like he has a level of love for Kira that he didn't initially have for Leia. Um, and but, you know, she's like, so what do you think? And he goes, well, I thought we'd talk. And then, you know, and he indicates, you know, Lando's bed. <laughs> you know, it's right. pretty clear what Han is. After. Yeah. Yeah. Like, oh, yeah. It's, it's a solid plan. Foolproof. You know, um, really? <laughs> yeah. And <laughs> excuse me. It's great because. You know Han's first response is like he just he just kind of wants to like hop back hop back into the way it used to be with her, you oh, know. Yeah. And and the music specifically, this is it's my second favorite theme in the movie. I mean, after the Han Solo theme, um, and it's you know it's this new romance theme, and it does remind me a lot of the romance theme for from Raiders of the Lost Ark between Han or Han <laughs> Indy and and Marion. Um, I don't know if that's intentional or not, but it's it does have a similar feel is that theme, but ultimately yeah. the theme also just really captures a sense of innocence. Um, and I like that, right? Because their relationship was one of innocence. Kira has indicated that she's not the same person, but Han doesn't really hear that. He doesn't necessarily want to listen to it because as he, they're looking at each other, you know, and she says, you know, I want to tell you so much, but if, if I do, I know you won't look at me the same. And he's like, nothing will change the way I'm looking at you. Right. It's, I get that feeling for Han. Like, I don't care what you've done. I don't care where you've been. I know who you are and I love you, you know, and right. Han isn't interested in what she may have done or may have become. And there's some naivete in that because it also means that Han's not willing to understand who she's grown into. And he does right. something similar with Leia. He just shuts her up by kissing her. And I don't think it's, it's meant to be some sort of like aggressive, like shut up woman <laughs> type of a thing. It's just, in Han's like kind of young, innocent mind, he doesn't care and he loves her. So he's just going to kiss her. And and she gives right. herself to the kiss. Um, probably. Boy, because... do they ever give themselves yes. to the kiss. Right. And, and and it's a good thing Beckett shows up for the audience because otherwise <laughs> things. Um, well, let's just say that capes wouldn't have been the only things wrestling. Right. And <laughs> and I think even in the fact that Kira gives herself to it so passionately I think in a way I she in my guess is she, she's she's appreciating that sense of youthfulness that she has lost. She would love more than anything for the two of them to go back to the way things were. But she can't. And so the, for the briefest moment he's going to try and give that to her and she's going to say okay fine we'll go with it, you know. But, you know, she would give anything, I, I think, to have the innocence back, to have the way things used to be back. But she can't do that. She isn't that person anymore, and there's no way she can go back. But she'll play along here because it it reminds her of happier times. Right. Yeah. Um. But then, of course, we get the truth from Beckett, the truth, quote unquote, of, mm-hmm. of you know, not trusting anyone. You always assume everyone will betray you and you won't be disappointed. Right. And I love Han's response. Sounds like a pretty lonely way to live. It's the only way to live. Yeah. And, and yeah. really highlights that Han, you know, he's just not the character we met in A New Hope yet. He's not there yet. Um and it makes sense. Yeah. Um, you you want to – you also – I can't remember if it was – it might have been you I was talking to about this. 
uh, last week. But after Val gets killed, Beckett gets more withdrawn and more standoffish and more and keeps people farther and farther away from him. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, I think it, I think we, you and I talked about that last week. And, and this is a prime example of that happening. Yeah. And, and but think too, like that, you know, Beckett's warning here to Han is specifically about Kira. Cause he says, you know, you, you know, you, me and Chewie, like that's the makings of a great crew. And just think that like, that's Han at the end of a new hope though, with Luke, right? He tries to get <laughs> right. Luke to come with him. Like Luke, or excuse me, Han kind of adopts this idea. Cause right. Like Han is a character in this movie who's seeking belonging. He's seeking, um, a, you know, a sense of community. I mean, at the beginning of the movie, he says, you know, I don't have people. I'm alone. So, of course, he inevitably wants connection and he wants a crew as well. Um, and and I just think that's really important that that then carries all the way even into A New Hope. Like he and Chewie have been kind of going it on their own for understandably about a decade until they meet Luke. And Luke finally, it's like somebody to add to the crew. Well, and then again in Force Awakens, Ray. You know, Chewie and I have been thinking about it, bringing more onto our crew. Although he does admit in Force Awakens that they used to have a bigger crew before the Rathars. Um, well, so. you needed a bigger crew to catch the Rathars. True. And um, there's a reason why they don't have that big of a crew once they have the Rathars. Yeah. Yeah. Gulp. Yep. But I like <laughs> that, you know, Beckett is saying to Han, he's like, you know, you're not right about, you know, Kira isn't what you think. And, and Han's like, maybe I know her better than you. He's like, maybe you don't know her well enough. Right. Like Beckett knows, knows things about Kira that Han doesn't want to look at. Right. He refuses right. to look at these things because it would disrupt his innocent truth about her. Right. Like, and I think that's very human. Right. Like when, when we, when somebody's trying to tell us something about someone we really care about that, isn't positive or right. Something that might be upset us. It's human to be like, I don't want to hear it. Don't tell me that. I don't want to talk about it. I don't want to hear it because we don't want anything to intrude on what we perceive to be true. So when somebody offers up something that's going to counter that, we just kind of want to dismiss it. And that's what Han's doing here. Um, It's, it's, and it's very juvenile and it's, it's not meant to be a judgment, but it's just young and juvenile. We want to protect our innocent view of things. So for Beckett to be like, you just don't get her the way I do. Han's holding on to a younger version of Kira. And in a way he's refusing to understand that she's grown up and changed. Um, And that's not really fair of Han to Kira. Right? No, it's not. And ultimately it's going to come back and bite him in the butt. So, yeah. Um, But yeah, so we get this really great moment then as they, you know, they come out of hyperspace and approaching castle. By the way, I love the cinematography of that shot as they're entering into the, and uh, uh, what is it called? The maelstrom. Is that yes. right? The, the Achates maelstrom. The Achates actually maelstrom. just turned the page. Too, awesome. So. <laughs> and I love. If you hear pages turning, it's because I've got the, the guide here, the visual guide here. Excellent. Yeah, I've been reading through the Art of Book. It's the first one I've actually bought. And uh, luckily, my friend Greg has let me borrow all the previous ones. But I was like, I really want to buy this one. And I've been, sadly, I've been disappointed by it, to be honest. The other two were, the other couple have been really good. This one has been okay. <laughs> so I was like, oh, I wish I had bought some of the other ones, but it's still really cool. Um, I'm not done yet either. But uh, 
anyway, there, you know, I love that shot though, as they're entering and you just see all, you know, these beautiful orange glowing suns and it's just, I don't know. It's just a magical shot. And I really like yeah. that. Um, and, uh, you know, you have this great little moment then between L3 and Kira <laughs> where they talk about, well, Kira is talking about their trouble with the men that love them, right? Yes. Um, Kira is trying to deny that Han loves her. So, again, it, for Kira, you know, she knows who she's become and she doesn't want to admit that Han does still love her, right? right. Like, because that will demand a level of responsibility she doesn't want to have, I think. Um, so she tries to be dismissive of it. And I love how funny L3 is about it. She's like, come on, it's just us, <laughs> you know? Oh, please. Uh, it's just know. us. Oh, please. <laughs> yeah. Um, you know, and uh, I mean, you almost, you know, I almost expected her to say, oh, please, it's just us girls, you right. know? <laughs> <laughs> but it's funny because Kira is trying to deny, you know, the the relationship that, could be brewing between her and Han and L3 is deluded into thinking that there's a relationship between her and Lando. <laughs> right. Yeah. How would that work? Which is hilarious. Oh, it works. <laughs> it works. Um, yeah. It's silly. And, you know, I mean, I know a lot of people didn't don't appreciate this part of the film and I get it. It's, it's different. It's weird, but to me, it's just funny. It's a nice comic relief. Um, yeah, and uh, yeah, I, I find it. I, I agree with you on that. Yeah, and Just, and I I like it too though that like it takes a droid to call Kira out though too, right? Right. Um, Nobody else is gonna step on those eggshells. Yeah. Whereas L three, as we've learned, L three is not afraid to just speak her mind. So oh, that's for sure. She has no qualms of just throwing that at uh at Kira. Nope, none whatsoever. Um, so it, she's the most blunt character in this movie, except for maybe Chewie. But Chewie also knows the value of silence. Yes. So, yes. <laughs> um, and then, uh, yeah, let's see. You know, so while they're having that discussion, though, like L3 points out that Kira has this mark on her. And, right, we see that mark on her wrist, and we saw it initially – you know, on the yacht for it, Dryden's yacht, Han recognizes it. Um, now L3 mark, recognizes it and says, you know, like you're marked, you belong to somebody, you know, so Kira belongs to Crimson Dawn. And as Beckett yeah. points out at the end of the film, you know, Kira's a survivor, um, but she is marked. She's, she's claimed by something. So I think a very broad theme of this movie is that of freedom and slavery. Right. Being yeah. be, belonging to somebody, serving someone, as Kira puts it later in the film, you know, everyone serves someone. I think that's a notion Han refuses. He he refuses to have to serve anyone. I think Beckett tries to live that way. Right. Like that's right. That's what these scoundrels and smugglers are all about. Unsuccessfully for Beckett. But right. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I just I appreciate that broader theme of freedom and slavery. Right. Like this is this is a movie about people struggling to attain freedom in multiple ways. And some are successful, some are not, some are confined within that slavery, but try to make the best of it, which is a character like Kira. Um, right. You know, Han has a very naive, naive and innocent sense of what freedom can be and what it should look like. 
Whereas Kira is in a way more of the realist who understands that like everyone serves someone. So I'm going to make the best of it as possible. Um, right. So it's just two different viewpoints. Uh, yeah. No, it, it, the she's branded and and Crimson Dawn has her. And especially when she's gone in as deep as it appears that she has, you don't get out. Yep. You know, it's you, you don't leave the mob um, unless you are dead. Um, and it appears to be that way with Crimson Dawn, especially if you've got, you know, who leading it. Um, and he suffers no fools and no failure. Um, see his master. Um, so <laughs> yeah, but, uh, but yeah, so it, it's one of those things that it helps to remind us, you know, we, we saw it when we were reintroduced to Kira, uh, when they go to Dryden's yacht. And here we are about halfway through the mission. They've found the ship. We got, you know, this exciting moment and we pointed out again, remember, you know, especially right after we had the scene where Han and, uh, Kira meet in Lando's closet, uh, the Cape closet, we have that wonderful, you know, happy, innocent sort of scene between the two of them. And you're like, well, may- maybe things could work out for them. And then L3 has to go and point out, nope, you belong. You belong to them. Right. So. Yeah. Which, you know, and, and that's so I, Jason, you're going to be shocked by this. I watched Empire Strikes Back this evening. Um, oh, my gosh. <laughs> I'm shocked. Beyond and, belief, and I've been I've been trying to pay attention. And I watched a New Hope the other day. Whoops, um, <laughs> <laughs> um, it's a very slow season at work right now. It's great, um, mm. but uh, I've been you know specifically really paying attention to Han, and especially in light of Solo, and you know at the beginning of Empire, when Han's like you know the bounty runner we ran into at Ord Mantel's changed my mind. Right, Han is somebody still at the beginning of Empire who's living with a price on his head, and you know. In a way, being part of the rebellion, being part of this family and crew offers him a deeper sense of freedom than he's ever known. Yet there's still part of his past that clings to him that he that he has to get rid of before he can really be free. And I think that's kind of where Kira's at, right? Han is, will continually say to her in this film, like, you know, just be with me. Go away with me. Don't, don't worry about Crimson Dawn. I'm not afraid of them. But like Kira just can't, right? Like she's still bound by something in a way that. Han will be later in his life. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, it's there's definitely a lot of parallels and a lot of echoes with Han that start here in in this movie. So, but let's get to the exciting, fun stuff. Let's land on Kessel. Oh, gosh. By the way, that the, I love the shot of the Falcon landing on Kessel. It reminds me so much of just like. Uh, Coming Obi Wan coming in on Utapada land. I don't know. Maybe it's just the. It's. I think it's probably just the color palette. Um, you know, it's like those yeah. very earthy tones. Um, mm-hmm. You know, but yeah, as the Falcon comes into land, uh, I just it just it looks like a big matte painting. It just. It, I, I know this is a subjective thing to say, but it just feels very Star Warsy to me. You know, um, and it just it. Every time I watch that scene, I'm like, oh my gosh, this just makes me think of Utapau, and 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 I like that because it just it makes well, me feel connected to that universe. Well, and we did see Kessel in um, the first episode of Rebels, so 
where they track the Wookiees down, um, where Ezra uh, rec- rescues Kitwar from um, Agent Callus. So we have seen Kessel before. Um, this version of Kessel, a little bit dirtier, a little bit smokier and grimier, but it's still Kessel. So, right. But uh, yeah, they, they definitely could be the same place. So, um, but yeah, and and who should walk out to greet, um, <laughs> to greet Kira in her disguise as you know this very important person, but someone right out of the Clone Wars. Mm-hmm. We got the Pikes. Yes. Which I thought that's was, cool. It was so cool seeing something from the from the Clone Wars TV series in a live action way. Yes, um, and just it, I, oh gosh, it just made me so excited. Um, right, and right, like we obviously heard Dryden talk about like oh the Pikes control Kessel, right? So we know that they're there, but then just to see them, it was just like wow, this is so cool. Um, <laughs> and if you're somebody I, who has watched the Clone Wars, like I, you probably also got very excited. <laughs> oh yeah. Oh yeah, no, and it was, it was one of those things where uh, I started to get the idea that everything is a lot more connected and not necessarily segregated by medium as we once thought it was. Um, that this is when I really first started getting the idea um, when we met uh, Director Tolsite, the uh, <laughs> the Pike leader of. This area of Kessel, I, I thought it was, I, I liked him. He was, you know, not in there very long, obviously, but um, definitely got a lot of characterization out of him, which yeah. I think is great when you can get that kind of characterization from behind a mask Absolutely. that has, you know, no expression to it. Right. What's the name of the character? Is it in there in the guide? I can't remember. I know they. Uh, Director Tolsite. K Quay Tolsite. K Tolsite. Yep. So. Which is a cool name. Um, yes. And, right, so they're obviously pulling a plan here, right? Like, they're going to pretend that Han and Chewie are, are, are slaves, and they'll infiltrate while Kira and Beckett in L3 infiltrate kind of the mainframe. Mm-hmm. Great shot as Han and Chewie are coming out, you know, in chains. And Chewie's pissed, right? Like, he roars. Um, right. You know, don't worry, buddy. It won't be for long. Makes me immediately, right, the first thing I thought of well, actually, the first thing I thought of was like, of course, Chewie hates being in chains, being his history as a slave. But then it also made me remember that scene in A New Hope, right, where Luke goes yep. to put those binders on him. Chewie's not having it. Han has to do it. Right. Um, you know, Chewie uh-huh. is very – you, you put those on him. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Um, the thing I find funny is just that like Han still has his gun belt on. Yeah, his gun's not in it, but like yeah, he's still – Still got charges in it and whatnot. So right. it's just funny that he's still got that on. Chewie's got his bandolier on. Um, yeah. But uh, yeah, it's the, just. It's the so- other nifty little Easter egg in this scene is what Beckett is wearing. Right. Yes. Lando has, apparently has a skiff guard costume for decades. <laughs> so. Yeah. Yeah. Because um, that skiff helmet, that skiff guard helmet. Is getting its you know first chronological use here, um, and then gets stored aboard the Falcon, which Lando takes away, and he uses it at a much later date. So, um, yeah, I'm loving love all the Easter eggs that happen in this movie, and there's a lot on Kessel. 
Yeah. Yeah, there really are. Um, <laughs> excuse me. I like that Beckett's guard name is Tool. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, but, yeah, you know, um, Kira punches Han in the chest, gives him his dice back. Um, yep. Yeah. Ni- nice little rendition of the rebel theme, too, with the piano mm-hmm. as she hands him mm-hmm. to him. Um, but yeah, Kessel is like, I don't know, it's just my favorite part of the movie because it's from the second they infiltrate till the second they blast off, it's pretty much just like escalating action and fun. Right. And, you know, I love, so, and I, I think I mentioned this before, but I've never had this response in a Star Wars film ever. Um, when, um, so, right, like, Beckett turns on the guards and then we, well, we don't exactly see Kira do her terrorist Kasi to um, Tolsite, not Tolsite, Tolkite, Tolsite? Nope, nope, Tolsite, you're Tulsite. right. Okay. Um, T-O-L-S-I-T. Okay, it just makes me think of Tolstoy, that Russian author. Um, yeah. <laughs> uh, but, not quite. <laughs> yeah. So, also, I think that's my favorite L3 moment. She just goes, whoa, <laughs> I've never seen that. <laughs> What was that? What was that? <laughs> Terrace Kasi. When she said Terrace Kasi, this was at the free screening. I grabbed Greg. I, I was probably so annoying to him. I'm so sorry, Greg. But I just grabbed <laughs> Greg's arm. And I was like, that's amazing. Because I, unlike you, Jason, loved that game. <laughs> I never owned it. I mean, I only ever played it at my cousin's, but I loved it. Because it came out right at the time when like Street Fighter and Mortal Kombat were blowing up. Right, Like these you know, versus games were really big. And it was just great because you got to be like Han Solo versus Darth Vader where he could actually potentially win. And, you know, it was just and again, like I told you, you know, this is where I had the idea of doing matchups for this show that we've been doing for six years. Um, So that was all from Masters of Terrace Kasi. Um, So I just I love that that got a shout out in there. Um, And apparently Terrace Kasi was something that Darth Maul uses. That's, I think, discussed in one of the comics. Um, And Darth and. Kira learned it from Dryden, uh, Dryden Voss, who we can assume learned it from Maul. Yeah, which is cool. Yes. Um, so, you know, and then, you know, Han and Chewie are, are infiltrating deeper and deeper. And the thing I really like, again, and we alluded to this earlier in the episode with, with the moment when we were talking about favorite moments. But um, when, you know, Han and Chewie are going deeper into the into the pit of Kessel, Chewie sees a group of Wookiee slaves and stops in his tracks. And, you know, his instinct is to go rescue them, to go save them. And Han says to Chewie, reminds him, you know, like, no, Beckett said no improvising, right? We just needed, we're here to do a job. Mm-hmm. And, but Chewie's, you know, Chewie takes off his chains, like, he, and makes it pretty clear, like, he's going to go. And again, like, like I was saying earlier, like, Han's not going to tr- stop him. Like, yeah, he initially is like, no, Chewie, like, like, let's keep going. But once it becomes clear, like, no, this is what Chewie knows he has to do, Han immediately understands that, gives him a weapon, smiles at him and says, you know, I hope I see you again, buddy. You know, but like, again, Han gives him the freedom to do what Chewie feels he's supposed to be doing. Um, Yeah. And then, of course, we get, again, like a lot of folks are discussing, I I think this is Chewie's strongest movie. Um, Yeah. And, you know, Chewie just rushes in and just kicks some butt. You know, it's great. Oh, yeah. And and I love that Chewie just tears into these to these guards. Um, and then there's that funny thing, you know, like Chewie's gone. Is he dead? No, no. he had to do something. Is he coming back? Is he coming back? 
don't know. I don't know. <laughs> so good. Yeah. Um, but, but you know, land must go on. Right. And then you've, it, and I also love this stuff with, with L3. You're like, excuse me, I need to use that terminal. Can you hear me? You know. Hello. Restraining Hello. bolts. So barbaric. Um, <laughs> yes. Congratulations. You're liberated. Scoot. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. Go, Go for your brothers and sisters or something. Just give me my space. <laughs> I just I love that moment. I, that's that's so funny to me. Um, Congratulations, you're liberated. Now scoot. Yeah, now scoot. <laughs> <laughs> it's like this should be the most amazing thing of your life, but get out of my way. Right. Um, and and it's, you know and and just in a way I'm going to gloss over it because I don't want to give much credence to it because I find it silly but right like I know a lot of people don't like this whole you know L3 and droids rights movement but again it's consistent with the major theme of Star Wars which is one of freedom what does it mean to be free you know every character in this movie even the droid are after a sense of freedom that's the theme of this film so again I don't think this is some sort of social justice statement it's a consistent theme in the film of all of our characters including L3 in L3 and and let's be honest does anyone in the film take her seriously nope no (laughs) no (laughs) Lando's always rolling his eyes at her and everyone just sort of (laughs) tolerates it you know (laughs) so yeah. Um, but yeah, so you know, you, you've you're right. you know, what's going on up theme. there? I've created a distraction. You know, <laughs> right. she's found her true calling, as she as she puts it. Um, yes. And uh, one particular thing I want to, I just I want to point out is I love the shot of Han going into the the vault there that has all the coaxium right after he takes the guard out. <laughs> um, and impressive. The, yeah, yeah. Uh, he's got the mask up, right? Like. Almost like it's like a turban holding a staff. It's just like in Raiders of the Lost Ark. And, and again, oh, I yeah. don't know if that's on purpose or not, but it's, oh, it's, it, has it has to be, right? Yeah. It has it, to It looks be just purpose. like Indy going down into that pit in Raiders of the Lost Ark. Um, also after treasure. <laughs> um, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So, you know, so I love and I love his Han struggles. He gets that one volt up, you know, the one canister up there. And again, this is like you could really use Chewie's help here. Use some mm-hmm. of that Wookiee oomph, as Beckett would put it. Um, you know, and Han gets the one and he's like, okay, I got it. He's like, great. Only 11 more. 11? <laughs> he just strips down to get to work. Um, right. He's like, oh, rips the armor off. He's like, I can't believe it. Yeah. Why am I dealing with this? Right. But, but then things really heat up. The pikes are on to him. The revolution has started. <laughs> and it's not just the droids. Um, the droids started in the control room and then they, one of them essentially just unlocks all the prisoners. Freedom. Click. <laughs> and just, you know, everyone is loose. And you got all sorts of skirmishes going on. And it's, you know, through all of this, our our, our crew has to try and get what they came for. <laughs> and it's just, it's pandemonium. And it's so much fun. To, to watch as things get more and more out of control. Mm-hmm. You know, everything was going smooth. Everything was just, you know, fine until that restraining bolt came off. And um, it's just started spiraling farther and farther out of control from there. And just watching our crew have to deal with that and try to maintain, so, you know, their mission 
at the same time was just fun. So yeah, yeah. I agree. Yeah, you know, and, and then Han, as, as uh, the, Chewie comes back for Han, which right. is great. Yeah, well, Sorry. as they're well as they're leaving the control room, I love L three. Follow me, compatriots. <laughs> you know, it's really <laughs> funny. Um, but yeah, you know, it, it, the the scene of you know all the the chains coming again. This is a movie about freedom, and, and all the chains are coming off now. The slaves as well, right? And by the way, the first slave we see is a Twi'lek. Um, yes, that comes. I off noticed that. Yeah. Um, and, uh, you know, it, again, it, some people are saying, you know, oh, this is so, you know, temple of doom and I'm sure there's themes of that in there. It also oh, reminds yeah. me of, I don't know, geez, the book of Exodus, right? Like <laughs> the story of, of the, the Jewish people fleeing Egypt. Um, also strong themes to, uh, one of my favorite arcs in the clone wars, which is, um, the, uh, the slavery arc, the, uh, oh my gosh, could, could oh. slavers of Kadavo is not Kadavo. What the heck is that arc? I, um, when Obi Wan is sent to the prison, let me you know. Hold um, but yeah, right. keep talking. Yeah, but you know, again, so the it it's just playing on very strong literary motifs that we've seen before, right? Like just this broad sense of of you know this mass breakout of slaves being freed, and we've seen it in Star Wars. We saw it in Indiana Jones. We've seen it in the Bible. You know, um, slaves of, Z- of Zygeria. Zygeria, that's right. Zygeria, yeah, yes. Um, so it, it, that's what it made me think of as well. And 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 I love this. And you know, I love when you know this is always almost every time I've seen it. You know, this gets a big chuckle. Is you know, Lando sitting in the cockpit, the Calrissian Chronicles, Chapter Five. Continue. <laughs> <laughs> you know, people just start chuckling. Calrissian Chronicles, Chapter Five. Continue. Right. And again, big Easter egg. I mean, I've not read the 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 uh, adventures of lando but that's what they're from those that those old novels from the 80s um that's the story he's explaining he just puts l3 in the place of the droid from the book um oh my gosh that's cool yeah he's literally just retelling that. those stories um which so my friend gregory read those right before and he said that they they kind of sucked but he did appreciate that they got a callback in the film um <laughs> nice and uh yeah but i love that you know and l you know um lando gets on the com you know what's What's going on? Is it a mass breakout? <laughs> you know? You're not going to believe what I'm seeing yeah. here. Yeah. Is it a mass breakout? L3, L3 what, what did, did you do? do? I found my true calling, Lando. I'm so glad we took this job. You know, um, and it's great. You know, and uh, yeah, like you said, Han and Chewie meet up again, and right in the nick of time. Right, Han's about to be in some trouble. Chewie comes in, literally busts somebody's head. <laughs> you know, yep. um, absolutely great. And he's got his Wookiee friends with him. And I love that. So we learned that this Wookiee's name is Sagwa. Um, mm-hmm. He's named that by Anthony Daniels' character in this movie. Yep. Um, Anthony Daniels' character's name is Tack, by the yes. way. Um, yeah, I see that you corrected my note. Thank you. Um, but uh, uh, yeah, and I love that little pet he gives Han on the head. It's great. Yeah, I know. It's, it's so great. so great. So endearing. Um, you know, everyone you know, now scratches the, the Wookiee. Everyone yeah. scratches the Wookiee behind the ears. And the Wookiee pets you on the head. So, you know, yeah, makes sense. Yeah. Um, but yes, it, when uh, when C-3PO frets about being sent to the Spice Mines of Kessel, mm-hmm. Anthony Daniels has been there. Right. So <laughs> exactly. So, you know, and then it all comes to this big culmination as again, it, this is such a Western scene to me, right? It's the Cowboys defending the wagon. Um, oh, yeah. From the enemy. And, you know, it, you've got Lando, Beckett, Han, you know, the, the Wookiees are loading the coaxium. 
Um, Kira's running onto the ship to get some grenades. Um, right. <laughs> and, you know, it, like I said, you know, earlier, because it's my favorite moment, like Lando tossing Han the gun and the two of them just laying down the law. Um, it's just so fun and it's so good. Like I, Jason, every time I see that scene, I want to like jump up in my seat, like grab my plastic DL 44 that I still don't own. I need to get one and just start <laughs> playing star Wars. And this is, the, this is the thing I love about star Wars. I love when a star Wars movie makes me feel that way. And I felt that way while watching rogue one, like the shootout with Cassian and the death troopers, like, like I took, like I talked about in those episodes, you know, last year, a lot of times I was hanging from my banister in my apartment, pretending that I was reenacting that scene. I'm 32 <laughs> years old, but I still did it. <laughs> so there you go. Don't care. Um, I've been running around my apartment with a plastic blaster. I got to get a DL 44. So it's more accurate, but uh, yeah, I go. mean, I just, I love this moment and that's again. So I say all that just to, to get to the point, like this is the kind of star Wars I love. Like it's still, triggers that like inner child in me like it makes me want to play and this is one of those scenes that makes me want to play um and uh you know i think this is one of the most emotionally evocative scenes too right l3 goes down lando runs to her great great scene too like donald glover with those stunt the stunt acting there is awesome he jumps over an r2 unit and and a guy and then slides under a falling pillar to to be with l3 yeah gets shot down and this is the bit again another big moment for Han and Chewie. Yeah. Han sees Lando go down. Uh, you know, I, in Beckett's mind, he probably is just thinking to himself, "The hell with this. Let's just go." Um, I mean, Han, Han can fly this thing better than Lando. Why don't we? Why don't we just take off? Exactly. And and Han makes this decision though. I mean, he does. Damn, he just runs out there. Love it. He stops short, downs two guards immediately. Like, oh, it's just oh yeah, Han's a badass. <laughs> um, and he's helping. Lando, right? Like it just again, he's the good guy, as Kira tells him, and, and not too long into the film. And Chewie, we, right? We get this great shot of Chewie watching. Chewie's witnessing Han's heroism. Yeah, and that's when Chewie also makes a choice, right? So you hear Tack, which is Anthony Daniels' character, saying, "Sagwa, come on this way." He's, you know, calling all the other Wookies to leave with him. Chewie, you know, again, we all saw this in the trailer and we thought, oh, my God, is this, you know, Mala, Chewie's wife or whatever? Well, no, it's just another Wookiee. But Chewie's making the decision for them to go. He's going to stay here. And Chewie does say yeah. something, right? He roars something to Sagwa. We don't know what he says because we don't speak Shriwook. Um, right. But he makes the decision to go with Han. And I love that. Right. Yeah. And I think, again, he sees the kind of person Han is. And then as Han's struggling to bring Lando back. I love that shot of Chewie running to them. He's just a, like storming down the, yeah. the lane there. It's like, oh my oh, gosh, I'm so glad he's good. running to help. Because yeah. that would be terrifying if he was coming to like <laughs> put a beat down. <laughs> yeah. It's so good. He's tearing it up. Chewie, you know, you know, get him. And the music in that moment is beautiful. Donald Glover, I love his scream there. Like he's just struggling. It's such an emotionally evocative scene. Han's just continuing to cover them. The cannon knocks him and Beckett down, and out comes Kira with the grenades to save the day. Um, right. And then finally, they can escape. And it's like this brief... What are you waiting for? Let's go! Yeah. <laughs> like, there's this brief moment to breathe, which I appreciate. And they're all just watching Lando cradle L3. You know, Beckett... I mean, Beckett is all business. Beckett is not very emotional. Like, because as you no. said, he's become very distant. You know, mm -hmm. Han, get us out of here. I like that Han doesn't immediately do it, though. Like, Han still respects that that's not his ship. 
You know, right. it says something about Han and his respect for Lando. Um, and Lando Lando's obviously, approval yeah, first. Lando gives Lando gives him the nod, and then yes, I love that shot of him jumping into the cockpit. Um, <laughs> so he good. jumps into the seat and takes a brief moment to go, "Oh yeah, yeah," you know, before he starts doing anything. <laughs> so good, so good, and then off we are into the Kessel Run, Jason. Oh my gosh, we get to see the freaking Kessel Run, the one that you know. Han did in less than 12 parsecs. If you round down. If you round Um, down, buddy. (laughs) (laughs) But, but yeah, no, it's, and it's all started because we got an Imperial blockade coming down the, uh, the corridor in the maelstrom, you know, which amazing shot to see that star destroyer come through the clouds. Bum, bum, bum. Yeah. (laughs) Did you notice the the title of that track on the soundtrack? It's um, Reminiscence Therapy. Reminiscence Therapy, which I, I think is such a funny and perfect title for it, right? Because it's 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 all music we've heard before, right? It's pretty the, much. It's the Imperial theme, and then it's the um, you know the Escape from the Death Star theme, and then it's the Asteroid Field, and it's like all of them working together. And there's the rebel fanfare in there, yeah. and it's all you know connected by by new music and everything. But we get all the old familiar cues and themes, and it's it's really fascinating the way they they pull it together. Um, John Powell pulls that together. It's really cool. Um, it's it's a really awesome track on the soundtrack too. But in the movie, it's really good too. Um, but not only are they have the Tie Fighters on their tail. But the coaxium. I don't know what that is, means. <laughs> Are they still on us? I can't remember his comparisons. I, I don't know what that means. Oh, uh, like I forget the first one, but the second one is like a Gingerson's pelt. What? Are they on us or aren't they? Yes, they're still on us. Right. <laughs> 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 uh, like. Something on a Kylak or something. Uh, yeah, anyways. like something on a Kylak. Yeah, like what? What? I, I don't know what that means. <laughs> like a Gingerson's pelt. What, it, well, are they or aren't they? Yes, that's yes! so <laughs> <laughs> um, Yeah. But we we not only do we have the the pursuit by the Tie Fighters, but the coaxium inside is very unstable and it is on you know rapidly deteriorating to the point where it will explode so they got to find a way through the the arcades maelstrom without uh without getting shot down or blown up by their cargo um so we have to take a shortcut which is you know to han well duh we'll just take a shortcut through the, the through maelstrom, the, yeah, through this, through the maelstrom, yeah, spectacular way of killing us all. I'll give you that, <laughs> right, right, <laughs> um, yeah. And uh, you know, this is Han basically saying, "Never tell me the odds." Before he actually says the words, "Never tell me the odds," right. And you know, you know, we talked about this on last week's episode, Jason. But uh, you know, I've I've famously said I really don't enjoy chase scenes in any movie, and this movie quite quite has quite a few. Yes, I love every one. Um, these are my favorite <laughs> chase scenes I've ever seen in any movie. Um, because one, there's a great mix of humor with things. They're well shot. I just, and I do love watching the Falcon just like 
be awesomely piloted by Han. Yeah. You know, it's so cool. And, you know, and yeah, we saw this in that clip that they released early and it was in the teasers as well. But Han, you know, barrel rolling and just knocking the TIE fighter into, you know, an asteroid. It's awesome. It's so yeah. cool. It, it is really cool. And of course, um, Hera does that in the ghost in the finale episodes of Rebels. And apparently the two moves were developed independent of each other. The the Rebels crew had no idea that the solo people were doing that. And the solo people had no idea that the Rebels crew was doing it. Nice. So that's that's the uh, the story that they're sticking to. But um, we escape the TIE Fighters. We end the Reminiscence Therapy music. And they really get zapped by thumbs. lightning. I love that line by Beckett. When he loses the cannon. Really hurt my thumbs. Right. <laughs> ah. Lost the cannon. Really hurting my thumbs. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh. Um, it's great. Yeah, but yeah. So it, it, you know, they they get rid of the last fighter. You know, we're gonna do this little trick that I learned from my buddy Needles, best Carillion street best best street racer in all of Carillia. Till he, he crashed. Till he crashed and died. And died doing this. Doing this. <laughs> Wait, what? <laughs> <laughs> Which again, like, what a strong connection to him in you know Force Awakens to Ray. Like, wait, is that even possible? I never asked that question until after I've tried it. <laughs> <laughs> right. Um, so, oh, but we but we missed the part where um, Kira is is being the co pilot, and Han's like, we need to. Um, Di- it, yeah, something with the rear you know, deflector shield. Yeah, divert divert some power it, to the rear deflector shield. Auxiliary power to the rear deflector, rear deflector we shields. We definitely do. We definitely do. And she's looking at the control panel like, I have no idea how to do that. Um, and Chewie has to step in and does it in two shakes of a Wookiee's fist. Um, and we get the great line of, you know, you know how to fly? 190 years old? You look great. And that's when... Kira backs out of the seat and says, Chewie, get in. And she goes to help Lando, who's trying to get L3's uh, navigational core um, so that they can go ahead and put that into the Falcon so they can plot a course out of the Maelstrom. So, right. And we get the awesome moment of Chewie sitting in the co-pilot seat. Han Mm -hmm. looks over grins and yes. then they continue the, the the chase through the uh through the maelstrom yeah mm-hmm. i uh so good when they when they become pilot and co-pilot pilot and co-pilot oh and my it, god it's so good carl and it's again to me it's just it's such a nice reminder that nothing is impossible for this duo right nope. there's nothing they can't do and again like while Han is, yes, Han's doing the majority of the heavy lifting here. I love, though, when they pull that little trick, right, to take out the last TIE fighter. He tells Chewie what to do, but Chewie does a little something extra, and he's like, great move, buddy, right? Like, again, like, Han is affirming Chewie's worth, yeah. um, right? Like, he's recognizing that that wasn't all him. Chewie helped out, right? And I think that's immensely important, that they need each other, as Kira's going to say later in the film. Um but yeah, like just they're able to pull off this Kessel run together. I don't know that Han would be able to do that on his own. Yeah, no, I, I don't think so. He's able to do it because he got Chewie. That's right. for sure. 
Right. And um, then that giant creature shows up and they almost get eaten. And then they have to deal with the the maw, which is the gravity well. Nice that we got a reference to the maw. Yeah, I loved loved that. Because I remember when they were flying into Kessel and they talk about the maelstrom. And I was like, well, what about the maw? Come on, where's the maw? So I'm glad that we got that in there. Yes. Um, um, and oh my gosh, I, the watching that, that giant space creature get shredded to pieces going into the maw is kind of gross. Because if you look closely, you can see the flesh peeling back off the muscle and the bone as it gets closer to the gravity well. And then the bone just kind of disintegrates as it falls in. It's really gross. <laughs> For real. Um, oh, and then I also have to mention when Han is borrowing Lando's Falcon, he loses a sensor dish. Yep. I'm, that's one thing, honestly, I'm getting a little annoyed that the sensor dish has been in, destroyed in like every new Star Wars movie. So it gets destroyed in Last Jedi, it gets destroyed here. Uh, I guess that's it, but <laughs> two movies in a row. Well, and Return of the Jedi. Right. Which makes and, sense in and, Return of the Jedi, but then getting it again in, Force, or in Last Jedi is like, okay. I guess that's like okay. a Jedi losing the lightsaber. Yeah. The Falcon loses the sensor dish. Right. <laughs> this sensor dish is your life. <laughs> <laughs> Not quite. Um, <laughs> the next one is, or maybe it's the one after that. Um, but I, I thought it was funny that, you know, Han loses it when it's Lando's Falcon and then Lando loses it when it's Han's Falcon later on. Um, that, that thing never stays on. Um, <laughs> yeah. Um. But, we get to blast out of the, the maw, the maelstrom, and the nick of time. It's exciting. Right. Well, and of course, in this this part of the movie, too, we learned that L3 is now bonded to the Falcon. Yeah. And she's the one who basically give, plots them the course out. And, right, it, it, this is not new to us. I'm sure you've heard this in other places. But, right, like when that famous part in Empire Strikes Back, I don't know where your ship learned to communicate. That's the most peculiar dialect. Yeah, it's L three. <laughs> yeah, it's L three. The, the foul. It's L three. Given three PO snark. Right. Um, but I do like the shot though. Is Han is gearing up, right? You know, and they're gonna they're gonna blast out of here. And Han says it here. It's like you know when we were in the shipyards there on Krillish. She's like, yeah, I remember. I remember it didn't work. He's like, this time it will. You know, I love it's how not a very comforting statement. <laughs> yeah, but I like that she puts her hand on Han's shoulder. And to me, which indicates a sign of trust. She's not yeah. fighting him on it. She's just pointing out it didn't work before, but Han sincerely believes it will this time. And remember what Qui-Gon says, Jason. Your focus determines your reality. Uh-huh. Han knows he can do this. And I love that, again, it's just it, it's something subtle, but I love that Kira puts her hand on his shoulder because it's just a sign of trust, like like her saying, okay, I believe you. Um, so, you know, that I'm sure that certainly helps his confidence too. You know, yeah, like that great movie, Rudolph, you know, when Clarice tells Rudolph he's cute and he can fly. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Love that movie. <laughs> Stop motion yeah. at its finest. Um, <laughs> um, but yeah, so uh, I, I love the fact that we jump the, 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 the edits in this movie when we jump from place to place are clever. Um, we, we talked about it when we cut from Corellia to Mimban uh, last week. Um, you know, the, the officer tells Han, we'll have you flying in no time. And we cut to Mimban and Han is flying through the air because of an explosion. Um, 
Mm-hmm. And we get a similar thing happening here. The Falcon takes off into hyperspace just in the nick of time to escape the, the asteroids crashing together within the, the maelstrom. Um, and we cut directly to Savarine. Yeah. And basically the one guy at air traffic control um, <laughs> you know, <laughs> who probably hasn't seen a ship land there in over a month. Um, and we get Han, you know, very scratchily over the comm asking permission to land. And then all of a sudden, wham, the Falcon is there. We're here now. <laughs> we're, we're here now. <laughs> so, <laughs> and uh, of course, the Falcon lands on only two landing struts because Han broke the front two when he pulled his little stunt uh, that Needles died doing um, all those years ago. <laughs> yes. Yeah. And then after they get the coaxium offloaded, he looks back on the Falcon um, with Lando, and Lando is just like mourning the loss of a loved one. And Han's like, that's one hell of a ship. Yeah. I hate, I hate you. you. I know. I know. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't catch the I know until like my third viewing. Well, I think it's because people laugh at the I hate you and Han says it very quietly. Um, but yeah. yeah, I didn't catch it my first my first viewing either. Um, but real quick, you skip one of the best things, you know, when Han's bragging, you know, just made the Kessel run in, in 12 parsecs. And Chewie responds, it is if you round down, buddy. <laughs> and nobody else cares. Right. Um, well, as we soon learn, none of these people on Savarine have tongues, so they can't talk. Right, that's um, true. But we don't know that right now. But I, it, but all that is it may. It's funny that this guy just kind of looks it on and walks away. Like he doesn't care. <laughs> cool. Um, <laughs> almost expected unenthusiastic thumbs up. Um, <laughs> yeah, from the guy. Yeah. Um, but yeah, the, you know, and then we have. Some you know, so I love moments like this in Star Wars, Jason, as you know, like what I call character building moments, the, and, the quiet and, moments between yes, characters. Yes, um, and I think um, there's not a ton of them in this movie because it's so action packed and, and moving so quickly. But I like it again. There's time to breathe here. Han sees Kira, you know, just going up to get some water, cool down, and Han goes to her with again a, a proposal he's made. Essentially, this is kind of like his third time. You know, ooh, how sorry to be super New Testament on here, but how like uh you know, Peter and Peter at the uh trial of Jesus, Kira's mm-hmm. gonna deny it a third time here. You know, mm-hmm. he first kind of brings it up, you know, on Dryden's yacht, she kind of just ignores it, and then he brings it up again, you know, in the closet there, and she's basically saying, you know, you you don't know what you're asking. And now she's just gonna say no, <laughs> you know, basically, without saying it. Um and, uh, you know, but she, you know, she, she's like, you don't realize on, if I go with you, we're going to make an em- enemy of Crimson Dawn. And that's not a good thing. No, you know, but Han is naive enough to say like, I don't care. You know, I can take care of myself. I'm not the same kid on, as I was on Corellia. Naive and, or cocky enough. Right. Probably both. Maybe a little of both. Yeah. Um, so, you know, great, you know, okay, then who are you? I'm an outlaw. <laughs> I'm an outlaw. And I love that she just chuckles. She's like, <laughs> that's and, funny. You know, yeah. You know, I may be in, you know, the line we've been hearing since the first teaser, you know, I, I may be the only person in the whole galaxy who knows who you, what you truly are. 
What's that? The good guy. Finally get the answer. Yeah. It's a good guy. You're the good guy. I I am not the good guy. I'm a terrible person. (laughs) You know? Um, And as a lot of people have pointed out, this is kind of the opposite of what he says to Leia, right? In Empire Strikes Back. You know, I'm nice men. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Um, Here, I'm a terrible person. Right? Han is, you know, Han... He can't he can't fight what he truly is, right? He can't deny what he really is. And and he's been he's gotten that affirmation from two characters. He'll end up getting it from two characters in this movie. So Kira knows who he is. You're the good guy. Like who I am, what I've become, what I'm going to become. Like, I don't want you mixed up in that because you're better than that. And even Beckett at the end, you know, like when Han says to him, you know, you think everybody is just like you. Not you, kid. You're nothing like me. Right. And. Um, I, this is kind of, I'm sorry to do a humble brag, but I remember I made this post a while back after one of the trailers. I love that picture of Han, you know, stand it. We, we've now learned it's him approaching the Sabacc table, but it's Han kind of standing in the dark and all the, you know, ruffians are in the light. And I made a comment on our social media about like, I love that shot because in a way it shows that Han, while he grew up in the underworld, he's never been a part of the underworld, right? Like he's always been that good guy. And I love that in a way I've, you know, that's confirmed in this movie. Um, yeah. He may come from this, but he's not that he's not of that character. No, he's not. A he's part better of than that. Yeah, he is. And Kira knows it. And by implication, she's saying. And I'm not, you know, it, she she couldn't hold on to that. And she's become a part of it, you know, a part of that world. Right. Um, so. But their little reverie is broken up by the appearance of Enfys Nest. Yes. Ah! Oh, hold on. Let's let's save our listeners from that, Jason. Um, okay, I'm sorry. <laughs> but, I'm I mean, sorry. Well, you know, this is this is why this is the joy of having you know a soundtrack readily available. Mm. All right, let me just. Where is it? Oops, I went a little too far. So it's yes. this is such a great theme John Powell has created for Enfys Nest. Um, mm-hmm. Absolutely amazing. Um, but yeah, it, this great, you know, again, it's shot like a Western. It's this great standoff moment. Um, and uh, Han tries to talk their way out of it with the Falcon yeah, and Lando's right. like, I'm out of here. Peace. Yep. <laughs> yep. Lando's not sticking around. He realizes they're probably all going to be dead in a few moments. So the heck with this, um, you know, I'm not going to wait around and maybe get my money. Cause I'll probably die. I'd rather just go. Right. Um, but yeah, you know, it's, and then we get this reveal, which I, I know some people have complained like, Oh, like, I don't feel like it, it you know, we really needed this big reveal. Cause it's, we kind of don't care in a way. It was just it was definitely unexpected, though. And again, re- just remembering that this is, you know, Lawrence Kasdan who wrote this movie, who also gave us the I'm your father. I mean, granted, that was George's idea for sure. But Lawrence kind of crafted that, you know, with the script. Um, mm-hmm. So, you know, the fact that we have some like big reveal things in this movie just feels very Kasdian, if that is a word. Um, <laughs> um, yeah. So when she pulls that mask off, 
you know, and, and I remember hearing before the movie came out that in some of the promotional material in France, right? Cause like, obviously all the, you know, romantic languages have masculine and feminine, you know, particles. So and they were all mm-hmm. feminine for Enfys Nest. So people were just guessing from then, you know, that Enfys Nest is a woman. So, but nobody would have guessed that it was a young woman. Um, right. And, uh, I really like it cause it, it just, it really changes the story on its head where the, what we suspected was just another bad guy. We learn is the good guy. Right now, my, the first time I saw this, my initial gut reaction, which I then, you know, thought through and went like, Oh, well that wouldn't make sense. Was, is she the daughter of Val and Beckett? Hmm. That was my initial gut reaction uh, because she kind of looks like the two of them a little bit. Um, But then, you know, thinking through it, I was like, no, that couldn't be because there's no way that they've, you know, been partners in crime that long. Um, But uh, yeah, no, the, the reveal of that she was a young woman was interesting. The reveal that. Enfys Nest is a name that's been passed down from person to person, and that Enfys Nest is almost like an identity. Okay. Um, you know, because she she says her mother wore the mask before, um, before she took it on, um, which led me to believe that Enfys Nest has been a name passed from person to person. Uh, and they they allude to that in the the official guide um, that there are varying reports as to who Emphis Nest really is under the mask, um, varying reports of gender, age, species, you know that sort of thing. So, um, yeah, it's a really interesting idea. And then of course we get the reveal that they're the good guys, and what. Uh, Crimson Dawn has done to the villagers here on Savarine. Yeah. And then countless other worlds as, mm-hmm. you know, you know, as that they, the, the cloud riders as they're known start mm-hmm. taking off their masks. I love that. We finally get a Rodian. Yes. Um, we get one of the two tubes who apparently is the same character. That's going to be in saws gang and rogue one. Um, and, uh, we get obviously, uh, Warwick Davis as weasel from Phantom yes. Menace. Um, so, yeah, I mean, it's this great moment where, again, I like it because it's a reminder of what the rebellion is going to eventually look like. It's a diverse group of all sorts of species and genders, right, On, as opposed to the Empire, which is just all humans, which, by the way, in the OT was all human men, which I appreciated. I Again, just to bring this up again, I've never liked that they started having women in the Empire. Not because I don't like women, but I like that the Empire didn't because they were, you know, misogynists and jerks. So I liked it. Made right. them, it made them deeper enemies. So now that they have women in the new Star Wars universe, it takes away some of their evilness. So that's all. Um, yeah. There's still not many. Right. But they're there. And they're also all human. And Right. Yeah. So. Um, L- largely white. Right. They're all very homogenous. Yes. Because the Empire is uniform. It is the Empire. Right. But yeah, so, so I mean I like that the the you know the Cloud Riders are again in you know evocative of the type of rebel cells we're going to see you know come come to power throughout the galaxy. You know, it's a diverse 
group of cultures, genders, and races. And I love that because that's those are the good guys in Star Wars. Um, yeah. And, uh, you know, it, it, so after Enfys kind of reveals this and reveals what they're really about, again, Han makes a decision, you know, as, as he goes down to the, that, the, the spiky spires, you know, and, and says I think to it's Becky, a graveyard. Oh, that's a good. You're right. You're probably right. Very interesting. Awesome. Is that in the guidebook by any chance or? Um, I, I'll, they show it in the guidebook. I don't think it's really mentioned much. I'll double check, but, um, it feels that, you know, having seen it a couple times, it feels like a graveyard to me now, but I'll double check that here. Give me a minute. Yeah. Well, um, while you're looking, um, but yeah, I mean, Han makes the decision. He goes down there and says to Beckett, you know, you know, we can't give the coaxium to Dryden Voss. Join in the cause, are you, Han Solo? <laughs> you know, just trying to get out of this alive. <laughs> and, you know... Okay, yeah. here. here. Sorry. Um, don't mean to interrupt, but no, Spire, Spire Beach. Uh, the rock pylons are known as soul teeth by the Savarian people. They are memorials to the Savarians lost in various coastal attacks, be it from slave, riders, uh, slave raiders, Crimson Dawn, or the vindic- Vindictive Pikes. The spiritual Savarians believe lost souls return to the beaches along with the tides. The soul teeth provide an anchor for the spirits of the departed. Very cool. There you so, go. I'm, man, I sound like a jerk here, but another humble brag because I did at least point out when we were talking through the trailer that this is a sacred site of some kind. I was right. Yes. <laughs> um, yep. and again, oh, just, I remember that. You did. But I, and I know you agree. I mean, again, there's just something about that architecture that just, in, you know, I think invokes some sense of, you know, spirituality some sense of you know um transcendence um so again it 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 is a moment where han makes a big decision that he's you know the easy thing to do would be just just to leave or to just kind of sell out emphasis nest to to dryden but he's making the harder decision of i'm not going to give this to a group of people who are going to continue to enslave and butcher people we're going to do something where we get our money and we get out of their, you know, their trouble. But Beckett's not buying it. And, uh, you know, Beckett leaves. And I think it's a sad moment for Han, right? Like he feels, again, a sense of abandonment, right? Like he thought, I think he really was starting to think that Beckett had his back. He was kind of a father figure and now he's yeah. walking away. But Han's going to stay true to the decision he makes. Um, and then, you know, it's a... It, in just a general way, the only the only part of this movie that I don't absolutely go wild for is kind of just this closing part of the movie. It does kind of slow down a bit. Um, and I don't mean that to say, like, I hate it or it's not good. But it's certainly the third act is, for some reason, the slowest part, I think, of the film, which is not typical of Star Wars, right? Usually the third act right. is the most action-packed. I feel like the second act was the most action-packed in this movie. Yes, um, it was. Because you, know, you like, got Kessel and the Kessel run. Right. And even the first act is with the train heist and all that other stuff. But uh, right. Yeah. So it's just it's weird. But I think the reason it makes sense, at least, is because everything is now down to like these personal battles. So it's it's yeah. all about personal confrontation at the end of the movie, um, which, again, makes sense. It's just slower than you're used to at the end of a Star Wars movie. Right. Um, so, you know, they go to Dryden and this is when all the double crossing starts. <laughs> I love this. I absolutely love how they do this um, and how it's, 
you know, revealed bit by bit to the audience. Um, because obviously, I think most people figured Beckett was going to betray them. This is, I, I knew it. As soon as Beckett walked away, I was like, well, this is where it happens. And when he, you know, uh, when Voss calls in his new associate, um, I was like, it's obviously going to be Beckett. But Han goes, yeah, of course it is. People are predictable, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and then we get – I love the, the moment we cut back to the beach when uh, Dryden Voss's guards and enforcers are out there and they realize something's gone wrong. And I absolutely love that, you know, 20 seconds of pure mayhem that just happens on the beach when Emphis and her – and the Cloud Riders attack. I think it's great stuff. Yeah. And that's my favorite – quote of her theme is when she leaps down into the middle with her staff and we get that that moment there it's my favorite quotation of her theme so yeah it's really cool yeah i i wish that fight was a little bit longer more drawn out me too but but i mean i get that why it's not because it's a surprise attack they took him Mm -hmm. down quick um that was kind of the plan but yeah i'm sorry i hope you didn't send all your fancy fancy enforcers enforcers down there (laughs) because That'd leave you a that little would be short. Bad. Yeah. <laughs> but, um, and then we get the great confrontation between Han, Kira, and Dryden. I think Dryden's a cool character. Great character, yeah. I gotta figure out how to make his little blades so I can maybe cosplay as him someday. Um, <laughs> yeah. But, um, yeah. Beckett backs out of there with Chewie and the coaxium. Get the the showdown. Dryden's dead. Han leaves uh, on Kira's insistence to go after Chewie. And um, she says, I'll be right behind you. And the audience knows she's not. My big question, do you think Han knows? No. I don't. I really don't. Um, And... By the way, their theme. There's there, a lot of times when their 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 love theme is played, especially at this point at the end. It's also I, sh- I should have I, I don't want to waste time trying to find it right now, but I'll, I'll try to get it for the next episode. Um, but there's a lot of times when their theme is played and it ends with hints of Dearest Irae, right? Which, as David Collins has taught us all from Star Wars, you know, it's 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 linked to you know mass of judgment or whatever, like that old theme of like do 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 do. Mm-hmm. Um, right, which we hear a lot in Rogue One. It's built into the Jyn Erso theme. Um, but we sometimes hear that at the end of the love theme for Han and Leia. And I think, again, it's John Powell telling you us mean music. Han and Kira. Thank you. And it's John Powell reminding us that their relationship is ultimately doomed um, because of where they're at now. And uh, I love this rendition of their theme because it's just softly played on piano as they kiss one last time. And I think, you know, again, John Powell's telling us in the music, it's the kind of a sad rendition of their theme as if like this is their last moment. Um, and I honestly, Jason, the first time I saw it, I didn't necessarily expect her to just up and leave. Um, and, but, you know, as they're kissing, she's like, I'll be right behind you. But I do love again, like Kira cares about Han. That's that's not what's different. Like, it's not that she doesn't still love Han. It's just she right. knows she can't be with him anymore because of where she is in her life. 
Um, something I know all too true from person, personal experience. Um, and it sucks. <laughs> but, uh, you know, Kira knows what's, what's best for Han and it's not her right now. But you notice how she sets him up though, right? You know, go save Chewie. He's, he needs you and you're going to need him. Right. Like right. She is while she knows she's going to leave him. She wants to make sure she has someone. He has someone to take care of him and to look out for him. So she, you know, she sets him up with his next love, you know, and I don't mean rom- <laughs> I don't mean that in a romantic way. She sets him up with a, a different kind of love, um, which is equally beautiful. Right. So. Yeah. And then as Han leaves um, and, you know, we see her look at the jewels and walk right past him. You're like, oh, crap. And then when she goes and get the ring, goes and gets the ring, I'm like, oh, all hail Khaleesi, Lord of the Seven Kingdoms. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, but it becomes pretty clear, like, that she was. I don't think she's necessarily using Han, but she was definitely using all of this, working this to her own advantage as well and doing everything she could to keep Han safe. She took, she took advantage of the, of the circumstances in the situation. Um, and I think a lot of this, and I, you know, I, I don't have much to back this up, but I think a lot of it is she wanted to be out from underneath Dryden. Yeah. Dryden uh, had a lot of, of hold over her, a lot of sway over her. She didn't necessarily want to move up in Crimson Dawn. She wanted to be free of Dryden. And so when she got her opportunity to be free of Dryden, she took it. Now, whether or not that leads her into a better place, um, I don't think so. Because she now reports directly to Maul. And we know his temper and the uh, you know length of time people tend to last around him. But um, yeah, I don't think it's necessarily better for her. But as you said... The theme of this movie is freedom, and she wanted to be free of Dryden Voss. Yeah. Yeah. Because, you know, like, I'd like, I love when Han says, um, oh, two little, because it makes me think of two things that make me, from this movie, that make me think of previous incarnations we've had of Han. Um, and they both have to, the scene in Return of the Jedi, right, when Han goes out to see what's wrong with Leia after Luke leaves, you know. You know, ah, and he just like, you're right. You know, I, I can't tell you. Could you tell Luke? Is that who you could tell? Right. <laughs> and he starts to storm off and then calms down and goes back to comfort her. Um, right. Like we get two kind of moments of that. The first one is when Chewie decides to go free the Wookiees. I like how Han kind of stomps his feet and the staff like, Ugh. right. But that, you know, starts to walk off, but then stops himself goes back and gives Chewie the staff and says, I hope I see you again, right? Like, he gets over himself, understands this isn't about you right now. It's about something bigger. And gives in to what's bigger. And I like, again, because I've been in this boat before, like Han, where he says, you know, where Kira basically says, I can't go with you. Is it because you're with Dryden? I'm not with him. I just owe him, right? Like, Han immediately jumps to kind of that jealous conclusion of like, oh, is that your boyfriend now? (laughs) You know? Yeah, boyfriend, key boyfriend. Um, yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but no, you know, like that's obviously not what this is about. And like you said, right, she wants to be free of Dryden. She's finally able to be so. And uh, yeah, and that leads us to the biggest jaw-dropping moment of the film, which is contacting Maul. And I, Jason, I really hope we get another movie where we see Maul with Kira. We see what Maul's up to. And yeah. so here is here is my theory. 
if you don't mind, as okay. to how I think Maul ends up on Malachor. And this is how I'd like to see it happen, and I'd love to see it in a film. I feel like Maul's going to continue to rise in power as the head of Crimson Dawn. And just like he got himself noticed by Palpatine in the Clone Wars when he was pulling all that stuff on Mandalore, Palpatine's going to take notice and send Vader to get him. Or maybe uh-huh. Inquisitors, but I'd love for it to be Vader in a movie where Vader just puts the beat down on Maul. Because remember, when Vader shows up, when Maul senses Vader coming to Malachor, he says, like, we can't take him, right? Like, and I almost feel like maybe he's speaking from experience. Right. Um, like, maybe he knows that for from experience of having tried to go up against Vader and just getting obliterated. Um so I would I would love to see that in a in a future film. Again, I don't I don't want to see Han have any sort of interaction with Maul. I really don't. Um but uh I would love to see like again, Maul just gets so powerful that Palpatine sits six his war dog on him and Vader just puts the beat down on him. And that's why Maul runs off to Malachor because he's hoping to find that holocron to become more powerful than the Emperor and Vader because he can't do it on his own. Yeah. So that's nope, my that's I, my theory. That's what I'd love to see. I, I think you got a pretty good theory there. Yeah. Um, but as we know right now in the Star Wars world, like theories are nothing. <laughs> so they, I you mean, know. they're a dime a dozen. Right. Right. Um, so. But yeah, what did you think of Maul showing up? Oh, my gosh. Um, in the movie theater, watching it for the first time, I think I audibly gasped. And then I turned to Joey and just stared at him with my jaw in my lap. Um, This is bigger than just a cool cameo. This is the culmination of the integration of the films with the expanded material. The TV series, the comics the books this is this is i never thought i'd see this i ne- you know we always said you know oh it's so cool to have Maul back in clone wars and rebels it's really neat um i'd love to see him in a movie but it'll never happen it'll never happen because they'd have to explain how that all happened again and all this stuff and it just it, – it would be too jarring for general audiences. So they'll never, they'll never do it. Well, they did it, mm-hmm. which means they will – there's a possibility for them to do just about anything now, which is exciting. Um, the – this opens up all sorts of new ideas and avenues for stories, not only connected to Maul and – Crimson Dawn and the other syndicates that were mentioned, but just in general, in what can be shown on screen, what stories could be told, there is so much that's been blown wide open Mm -hmm. just by having Maul reappear on screen in this time period. I think it's amazing. Um, so yeah, that's, that's my two cents on that. Yeah, no, yeah, I think you're right on, you know, I mean, it's, he represents quite the possibilities. (laughs) (laughs) Um, 
But man, we've been going a while. Let's let's kind of bang out the last little bit of this movie here. Um, All right. So you've got the final showdown with Han and Beckett. We see Han shoot first. Yep. And as Beckett declares, right, like you made the right choice for once, kid. I would have killed you. Um, <laughs> right. All, right. And also, this is the scene where Beckett confesses, Don, you're nothing like me. Um, but the thing that I, 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 I appreciate between Han and Beckett, though, is even as Beckett is as Han holds him as he's dying. And you can see that Han's conflicted. Han doesn't want to kill him. He was just kind of forced into it. Um, right. But as Beckett's dying, he says, all I ever wanted was to learn to play that Valakor. Um, and again, we learn, I don't know if it's in the art of or in the, the guidebook, but right, like um, his obsession with learning the Valakor is because Val, that's what her full name is. She was named for that instrument. And mm-hmm. Beckett knows that. Right. So I like that Beckett's dying words are in a way, I feel like it's almost him trying to claim a sense of moral humanity. Like, you know, I obviously lived a very, not such a great life, but all I really wanted to do was play that Valakor, which I think in a way represents his innocent desire for just to have love. And he wanted, he wanted freedom from the life that he was living. He wanted freedom from however he got into it. This, the job. Yeah. And, and I think and I like that Han like shakes his head and is like and says, I know. Right. Because it's this it's Han gets it because that's exactly what he's doing. And I mm-hmm. think that's why early in the movie when Beckett says, like, if you come with me, you're in this life for good. Beckett's trying to save Han from that same fate. Um, so but then Han sees Kira pull away. Yep. And again, he's. Now he's he's been betrayed by somebody he considered a father figure, and now he's being abandoned by the woman that he loves. Yeah. Um, and right, like I said to you before in our pre-show, like I was really hoping to get like a really big, deep character arc for Han, and and we don't really get a strong character arc for him. He's kind of the same character throughout the whole movie, but everything happens so fast that that's why I really want a sequel because I think it's going to take a sequel for him to process it. Right. Yeah. Um, And it just makes sense. Everything's happening so quickly. Of course, there's not really time for him to process it yet. But my I think it's probably my favorite shot in the movie, though, is as she as Kira's pulling away and it's kind of just focused on Han's look of like just utter abandonment, like and and sadness. Then you see out of the corner of your eye, this big Wookiee paw just come and rest on his shoulder. Right. Like, yes, you've lost the the woman, you know, the girl you've always loved. But you've also gained something beautiful here in this friendship with Chewie. And they both provide each other with a a deeper sense of true freedom. And I think, again, that's the the main theme of this film is, you know, to use Greek language, there are three kinds of love. You know, eros, philia, and agape. You know, eros is erotic love. It's passionate love. Um, agape love is like this Christian understanding of love, complete selfless love. But then there's filial love, which is the love of friendship and family. And I feel like this movie really highlights the importance of that kind of love. Um, much of Star Wars does as well, but I really like this between Han and Chewie. They are deeply, like they are in a way falling in love. It's just filial love. Like it's this deep friendship that invites them both into a deeper sense of freedom. Um, and, yeah. that's, and that's what all true friendship ought to be. That's what all love should be, right? It, it invites yeah. us into a deeper sense of freedom to be ourselves. Yeah. And through it all, Han and Chewie have each other's backs. And they're the only ones that stay true to each other 
in the entire movie. Yep. And um, I think this is the beginning of a beautiful friendship. Um, <laughs> but it really is. And it's really awesome. Yeah. And then and we end with kind of this coda where Han tracks Lando down. Well, actually, well, we get Han saying goodbye to Enfys Nest, um, right. who the big statement of his theme. Mm-hmm. Great, and and we get uh, Enfys inviting him to to join their crew and become part of the rebels, the Rebel Alliance that that's being formed. Um, and he says, "I don't think so. Maybe you'll think differently someday." Yeah, and I wouldn't count on it, kid. Uh, which she's only like you know four years younger than you, Han. Not sure calling her a kid is helpful. No, I'm kidding. Yeah, but no, that that's a, that's a Hanism, you know, kid. Right. Um, right. But uh, then Han and Chewie track Lando down, and we we get the. The rematch at Sabak, which is great. I love this scene. I love this final scene because Han's got all the upper hand. He's, you know, he's he's feeling confident. He knows Lando's trick, um, and uh, he's he's discovered it and figured it out, and uh, he's played his cards right, literally, and he's on the verge of winning the Falcon from Lando. And Lando realizes his trump card is gone. And he loses fair and square to Han Solo. Yeah, Lando's a cheater. So all the people that are raving about how great Lando is, he's a cheater. He sucks. <laughs> he doesn't yep. suck, but he's a cheater. <laughs> he is. Um, I do love, I love Han's got his black vest on at the end, too. Um <laughs> It's, which, by the way, the first time I saw, I didn't really notice. It's hard to tell because he's got a dark blue undershirt on still. Right. Um, but even that dark blue undershirt is very similar to the type of shirt he's wearing in A New Hope. It's just a dark blue as opposed to white. Um, right. But yeah, no, you know, I, I should have. It's all the way they interact there. It's it's it kind of reversed that in Empire Strikes Back when Lando pretends to strike Han and then it hugs him. <laughs> right. Um, <laughs> but yeah, Han says, you know, fair and square, baby. Fair and square. Yep. And then the movie ends with that Han and Chewie gearing up on the Falcon and and Han successfully gains what he set out to gain at the start of the film, which is freedom. Yep. Right. And now they have a vehicle that literally will bring them that sense of freedom because they can now literally fly among the stars. But that that freighter is pretty beat up. So we know that Han's going to need to take on some kind of job to get some get some way to fix this ship. So he's heard, you know, Beckett told him about a, a, a you know, a big, big gangster, gangster on Tatooine yep. getting a crew together for a job. <laughs> so I would love to see the sequel with Han's first interactions with Jabba. Um, yeah. And that would be amazing. And there you go. That's how this great film comes to an end. It is so much fun. I have a blast with with this movie. Um. And and I think that's the thing that I walk away from every time is I walk out of the theater excited and pumped up because I just had so much fun and it was such a rewarding movie to watch, you know, just 
on its own. And I, I, you know, I really enjoy that we got that again with Star Wars. You know, we've been doing some uh, some darker and heavier stories recently. Rogue One, which I love, as everybody knows, is a darker story. It's a heavier story. Last Jedi, much heavier um, and darker. <laughs> Solo, a lot of fun. Mm-hmm. Just a lot of freaking fun. Um, a bit more reminiscent of um, Force Awakens uh, without you know killing Han at the end, of course. Because um, <laughs> that would screw things up um, in Solo. <laughs> but... Uh, I, I I think that's the thing. I just walk out of the theater every time, and I've just I'm so pumped up and so excited, and you know, just want to go watch it again, or want to put the soundtrack on. Yeah. Um, and that's that's why I'm enjoying this movie so much. Yeah, you know, and and that's why I say like this is my favorite kind of Star Wars because it, I don't like to use language like it's the best because when you say or I can't stand again, this is something going on in fandom where people are like, this is the best and you're wrong. If you disagree, like, no, because everything is subjective um, yeah. at the end of the day, you know, and I don't care what pretentious film critics say either. Cause I don't really care. <laughs> you know, at the end of the day, pretentious it's film critics have never liked star Wars to begin with. Right. Well, they loved last also, Jedi. So, um, because last Jedi is the most artistic star Wars film we've ever had because of who made it. And, uh, and that's fine. That's just not my favorite kind of star Wars. Um, I think it was a, weird thing to bring into star Wars, but be that as it may, um, solo is so fun. It's light. It's exciting. It's adventurous. And yet it has the staple that all star Wars has always had, which there is plenty to chew on. There are big themes here. There, those themes are easily discernible yet. If you dig just a little deeper, there's even more gems to them, you know? And that's what I've, every time I've seen this movie, I've noticed something a little bit differently and, and I am my mind. Jason is already wrapping around it. Like I, I have with all the other star Wars. So yes, it's not as dense and deep and philosophical as something like last Jedi, but there are a lot of beautiful, simple truths in this movie that can be gleaned. And I think that's really important for star Wars to be both fun and insightful. Yeah. So, um, yeah. And, and so, yeah, it's, Right now, for me, it stands at the top of the Disney films. I even like it more than Rogue One. Um, and while I'm still a little reluctant to rank films, just because I can, it, I'm finally okay to say that I'm, I'm happy to do it with Solo, right now, Solo is probably number four for me, um, right behind Phantom Menace. So uh, I love this it, movie. And, and again, I'll be interested to see where it stands in a year because I know Force Awakens was really high for me right after because it was also very fun. Um, so I, to be fair, solo could with time be like, okay, you know, it was, it was fun, but still not my favorite, but where it stands, at least right now with how much fun I've been having with it, it's, it's, I'd put it up there at number four, maybe even definitely lowest would be number five, but probably number four right now. It's definitely my favorite Disney star Wars. I'm not ready to rank it yet. Mm-hmm. Um, but it has potential to be a top five for me. Nice. So. And, that, and I think um, I, that's huge because, like you said, Jason, you've never been a big solo fan. Not that you dislike no. the character, right? But no, he's you know he's never been my favorite. I, I think he's a good you know good character. I think he's a fun guy. But this movie has made me love Solo so much more than I ever did. And 
Alden's kind of my Han. That's a weird thing to say, but <laughs> Alden's kind of my solo. Yeah. So yeah. Uh, it's a really weird thing to even contemplate considering we had Harrison freaking Ford playing Han. Yeah. But I'm digging. I'm really digging this movie. I'm really digging Alden as Han. And the interactions between him and Chewie are phenomenal in this movie. This It's a buddy heist film. And it's just a lot of fun. And I love it. So, I mean, I, I there are a few things that I, I have minor quibbles with, but we'll save that for another show. This is... This is our, our really positive view on the movie right now. And, and like I said, it could be a top five Star Wars movie for me. I like it. Yeah. And I'm with you. I, 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 have, I think Alden's just as good as Harrison as Han Solo. I mean, he's a very different incarnation of Han because he's a younger version of Han. But right. he's a great version of Han. And that's why, again, I really want at least a sequel. And I'd be very happy with a trilogy, which, again, I would have never said, you know, a year ago. <laughs> right. I um, know. I know. Me, too. <laughs> that's the thing about this movie is that it has just been so much fun and so chock full of awesome goodies and Easter eggs that you're like, I want more. Yeah, I want more. And I never thought I'd say that walking out of Solo. I never thought I'd say that. That I want a continuation. I want a trilogy or a sequel to this, you know. But I do. Right. Right. So, I mean. I'm right there with you, bud. (laughs) There you have it, folks. Um, A totally non-biased opinion um, of of Solo, a Star Wars story. And, of course, that's an oxymoron. Non-biased, an opinion. Um, You're always biased. Anyway. um, (laughs) But yeah, I I think I should stop talking about it, Carl, because otherwise I will just fanboy out for the rest of the night. Yeah, well, we've gone way longer than I expected anyway, so we should wrap this up. <laughs> We're almost at two hours. <laughs> so, uh, so if you've stuck with us this long, thank you. I hope you enjoyed it. Um, we certainly have loved this film. And if you've listened all the way through this, I'm assuming you at least enjoyed it enough to listen through a two-hour podcast. So thanks for your time for that. And, and again, even if you didn't like the film, that's fine. And you know, next week we are going to share you know, your responses to the film. Um, if you can, try your best to condense your thoughts. We've gotten a few emails that are very long, so we're going to have to figure out how to condense all those thoughts. <laughs> um, and, and I'm not trying to indict anybody that sent anything to us. Everybody that has sent stuff has been wonderful. Um, but just be mindful. Like we can't read everything you write when you write as much as you write because it'll take forever. Um, so if you are going to send something in again, uh, as best you can try to condense it. Granted, we can't condense it. We just did a two hour podcast, but I mean, I guess that's the advantage right. of having a podcast, but also feel free to record like a brief, you know, audio clip of yourself. That's a minute or two minutes long and, and send that along. We can just play it on the show. Um, that's certainly welcomed as well. Oh yes, indeed. Um, and since we're doing your responses on solo next episode, we're not going to have a poll or matchup here. So please, if you want to have your thoughts heard on the show, email those in to us. But if you just want to join the discussion, Carl, where can they do that? 
Um, well, like you said, if, if you want to specifically share something for next week's episode, email us at wampuslerpodcast at gmail.com. And of course, our social media, we're on Facebook at facebook.com slash wampuslerpodcast. You can follow us on Twitter at wampuslair. Um, and of course, we'd also have a Patreon page over at patreon.com slash wampuslerpodcast. There you go. You got anything else, Carl, you want to say before we uh, close this out? I mean, there probably is, but no, we should close it out. <laughs> <laughs> You're probably right. Um, so as the uh, big hook comes on stage to pull us off, thank you everyone for listening to this episode of the Wampus Lair Podcast. It's been episode number 296, continued solo 286, response. not 296. 286. It feels like 296 after this, <laughs> after the end of this episode. 286 continued solo response for Carl. I'm Jason, and we'll see you next time here in the Wampa's Lair. Mm-hmm.